Before we get started with this episode of the 55-1 podcast, I just wanted to make a simple plug here. In case you didn't see it over the last month, 55-1 has started a p- Patreon, Patron, Patron, Patreon, I think it is, website. What this is, it's like a monthly NPR-style subscription where for a low cost of, say, a shot of Patron, you can help support the editors, writers, and photographers that help make 55-1 the website that it is. I know that you've been meaning to cut back on your tequila addiction, and so for the cost of one of those Patron shots that you've been taking every month, you can help support all of us here at 55-1 and make sure that we're able to give you in turn the soccer content from Minnesota and beyond that we know that you've been looking for. So let's go ahead, let's roll the music with big quarters, and uh, we'll go ahead and get started. Thank you. Welcome to this episode of the 551 Podcast, take two. Uh, my name is Jeff Reuter, uh, and I totally messed up the first take of this. I've actually, we've recorded this episode once, and for whatever reason, uh, no, it did not write the track at all. So uh, luckily, we do have some very, um, a lot of perseverance in this room here, and we have two guests that aren't Wes. I think Wes would have given up. That's a safe guess. Wes is not here because uh, Atlanta United's ultras told him that he better watch his mouth, and he, he, I mean, credit where credit's due, he respected it, and he's watching his mouth. He's watching it. He went over to Texas, actually. He went as far south as he possibly could from Minnesota in the United States, and he's watching his mouth. So instead, here I do have Adam Jarvie and Katie Jarvie. Uh, thanks, guys, for joining me twice. Thanks for having sure. us. Thanks twice. for locking us in the basement. Isn't it great? Yeah. yeah, we're here in the 551 studio awesome. uh, over at Brave New Media, and uh, you're not leaving. So we're going to start, actually, we have a lot, 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 lot to get through a second time. Um, MLS kicked off, which is awesome. There were a couple of controversies that went on around opening weekend in MLS. We'll touch on those. We will talk about the Portland trip, because you two were both there before we get to the creaming in Cascadia, <laughs> and the 5-1 defeat that Minnesota United took at the hands of of the Portland Timbers and the axes of them as well. And then we'll take, as always, some listener questions from you all. So let's do the music thing a little bit. We've got Big Quarters. Uh, They're a local hip-hop band that's uh, happy enough to let us use their music. So we'll listen to that, and we'll get started with the good, the bad, and the weird. Welcome back to the 551 Podcast. We're here for our weekly whip around of all things good, bad, and weird in U.S. soccer outside of Minnesota. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was all outside of Minnesota. Minnesota did not host a game, which, fair enough, it was like 30 degrees and kind of snowy on Friday night when it was opening kick, which would have been awesome and quintessentially Minnesotan. But Minnesota was in Portland and MLS as a whole kicked off, which was fantastic. There weren't many draws. Um... It's actually one thing that I did notice that usually the first few weeks look rusty for everybody. And it's a slow match. They all look like Houston Dynamo San Jose matches during the season. And instead, I mean, there was actually action. I don't know if you guys really got to catch any other MLS action over the weekend uh, if you guys were in Portland. but Yeah, I watched watched quite a bit Mm -hmm. yesterday. We watched the Orlando game Mm -hmm. and uh, mainly to see the new stadium. Mm -hmm. It was actually an entertaining game, I thought. 
Uh, and then the Atlanta game, and I was entertained by Atlanta losing. Now, you hand-built the Emirates, right? Yes. That's incredible. That's uh, first, I made a scale model. Okay. And then people were so impressed by that, they uh, they had me bump it up a, a few And was the scale like yeah. 0.99 to 1, or what was? Yeah. It was, there, was, there was no upgrade, actually. Yeah, it was no. just like 10,000 more seats. And call it good. Uh, 10,000 seats is actually really notable, so I don't know what size stadium you built the first time, Adam, but you overachiever you. Um, yeah, no, it's great. I just, I feel happier. Like, I honestly do. Yes. Because I've been watching MLS for over a decade now, and suddenly I'm not just watching, like, oh, these are fun games. It's like, right. oh, these are people that Minnesota are playing. And there's meaning to it. There's actually right? meaning. I, it's great. Yeah. It's great. So yeah. what meaning did you get from the Atlanta United New York Red Bulls game? Hmm. Going into the bad. Don't throw beer at people. Don't chant. Not nice chants. Okay. And... Bold um, stance. Right. Don't chant. Not nice chance. Um, but otherwise, you know, I thought it was, I was a little actually um, surprised at 55,000 people, how quiet they could be. Hmm. It seemed like a very reactionary crowd. They booed a lot. Really? Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, a lot. I watched the first half, mm-hmm. which was the slightly nicer of the two halves, but the right. chant was still going on. Um which, I mean, that's its own thing that we took a lot of Twitter flack for, actually. I, I don't know if you partook in this, Adam, or you were still sleeping, but... No, I had already blocked the individual that was the source of a lot of the discussions that you two were having with... Uh, with you're more proactive. So yeah, he's but, proactive. Yeah, Adam, he's much more proactive than I, than I am. So I know, you know, Katie kind of glossed over it, but let's pause for a second to call out that, that chant mm-hmm. and to call out the throwing beer on the field because there's no place for it in in our game there's no place for it in mls there's no place for it anywhere uh in this sport anywhere in society really it's you know it, it's well documented it's offensive there are people that are going to argue that it's not mm-hmm. nonsense it's offensive it's a fact it needs to stop and i hope atlanta uh, front office takes measures to ensure that it that it doesn't happen again yeah mm-hmm. well i mean the the seven of you that listen to the podcast if you follow me on twitter you saw that last <laughs> night um i was tweeting against this and i'm very opposed to this um i'm trying to remember what even the the retorts were yeah. as far as why the chant should still be allowed which is something that it feels so 19 like 40s to me right like just let them chant and have some fun and eat your hot dogs but like i think the 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 cliff note version of why is that they don't actually mean what most people assume it means. They mean coward or fool. Mm-hmm. Um, the counterpoint to that, of course, is that, yeah, but they're associating that with the other thing. It's like when you say right. that's so gay, right. you know, or when you right. hear someone say that's so gay. Right. You know, it's like that doesn't make it something better. It's like, no, I was actually saying that you're weak. It's like, well, no, that's mm-hmm. no better. That's no better. Yeah, like that's it's actually right. offensive. That's why right. it's offensive. <laughs> you answered your own question. I'm no lawyer. Right. But I think that logic is faulty. <laughs> Is that fair? Or? So faulty. Okay, good. Law class, we're out. This is, yeah, that's it. It, it, it shouldn't <laughs> that's all happen. You need. And you know, we've. I think as U.S. fans, we we give the fans of Mexican national team a lot of flack for that chant still being around. But I think we also need to be honest about the fact that it's not it's not simply a Mexican national team fan right. problem. Mm-hmm. It's uh, you know whether it's that chant or other chants that that are misogynistic or sexist or, or TIFOs that are or, mm-hmm. sexist and misogynistic, mm-hmm. you know, like which we saw in Toronto last year. Right. You can go on and on and on with this stuff. It, it's not, we're not immune to this. This is, Mm-mm. this is our problem. 
as much as it is anybody else's problem. And I think, uh, you know, the hope is that Atlanta realizes what that means and, you know, gets out in front of it from here on out mm-hmm. and actively tries to uh, to prevent it from becoming a common thing at their games. Yeah. Well, I, I will also say Minnesota United has a big game coming up this Sunday against Atlanta, where you will be having over 30,000 people. Andy mm-hmm. Greeter reported that today, and that's a number that I've independently verified to. Um, somewhere between thirty and 40,000 people there. Yeah. And a lot of them will be newcomers to the sport. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And maybe their, inc- like their introduction into this will be watching right. La Liga or Liga MX or Serie A. You know, and they'll watch these other leagues and they'll be like, this is just something that goes on. And this is a chant that we want to bring from there. Or they grew up in these other countries that use this chant on the regular. So, um, And, I, you know, I do think I, I feel for Atlanta in the sense that you went from having not a whole lot of fans to all of a sudden having 55,000. And that's going to yeah. be really, really difficult to police. Um, and you're going to have to teach these folks what is appropriate and not appropriate. And and I get that. I understand that. And I I appreciated that they came out earlier today and, and said that that was not going to be tolerated in the future. Good. So I hope that, um, you know, ultimately that message will get across and there will be enough people that will ultimately say – we're not going to tolerate that in our games. I think it does highlight kind of an important distinction. And again, I say this in advance of our own game, and and I don't think any of us can predict entirely what will happen there. We Mm -hmm. may well have ugly incidents there too. I hope not. But I I would think anyway that we have a little bit of an advantage in terms of preventing this stuff because we do... We do have a built-in supporters and fan culture here that is very much opposed to that type of behavior, and we've had some practice in rooting it out amongst our own fan base. Now, yes, there's a big difference between 9,000 people in Blaine and 35 or 40,000 people at TCF, but I, I would think that we've got enough people who have been around who know to stand up against that and, mm-hmm. and again, I, I do in some ways feel a little bit for Atlanta because they don't have as much of that. They didn't have as much of that kind of built-in experience with, with dealing with some of this stuff. And I think all we can hope for now is that in games moving forward that they're a lot more proactive about it. It's not something we expected. I mean, with Atlanta and Minnesota, I mean, they've been compared at every juncture of expansion. Yes. And the one time where you find, like, Minnesota did it way better – there was the uh, the draft of drafts at the beginning where I thought Minnesota did better by getting the super draft pick. That's not mm-hmm. the point. It's fan experience. Last year, Minnesota United put out a video before the Club Leon friendly in June at Target Field. Yeah, it was at Target mm-hmm. Field. And they said, we will not tolerate this. And they said this in four different languages. Yes. We will not tolerate this. And they put that out. I've already emailed a couple of people at the mm-hmm. club saying, hey, you should do that again. Do it again. And yeah. um, I've gotten encouraging signs that they will. You can never have too many reminders. Exactly. So we'll see. We hope it does. Um, and definitely if you're going to that game, uh, don't participate. That's just and, human decency. And certainly, you know, I think the other thing, too, is that we're going to have to do a little bit of self-policing mm-hmm. um, where we're going to have to point these folks out to the club and i i'm i'm sure that the club will take whatever measures are necessary to to make sure that it doesn't continue but mm-hmm. i think for folks to to say you know to t- you tell their neighbor next to them sitting next to them we don't we don't do that yeah, here. yeah. um yeah. i think it'll go a long way um let's talk about the weird which is something <laughs> that we learned about the next day after the minnesota united match um from friend of the podcast alexi lawless who was on last week uh thanks again lexi but we're gonna 
uh, we're, we're going to dig right into you, uh, and we're going to talk about whether you're right or wrong one week after you showed up. So I hope you come back. Um, this is Sean Boyle's request. He had asked for us to talk about this, so we are going to talk about this in the weird. Um, he was asked by John Strong on the FS1 broadcast of Portland, Minnesota, about Alexi's opinion of the U.S. Soccer Federation's decision that players are required to stand for the national anthems. This is in direct response to the protests of people like Megan Rapino or in the NFL, Colin Kaepernick last year, who would take a knee during the national anthem. Um, the Cliff Notes version of this, this is a chopped quote of what Alexi said in his minute and a half stump speech. Um, is it the right thing to do? I say 100%. It is a privilege, an honor, a choice to represent your country. I have been in stadiums where I stood for the anthem and everybody has booed, where flags have been burned, where I've been called every name in the book, and that doesn't come close to those who have served the men and women who have served overseas. So damn right I'm going to stand. I'm going to put my hand over my heart. I'm going to sing. Just because we live in the land of the free doesn't mean that we are free to do anything that we want. Um, this feels like, honestly, this good, bad, weird feels like an NPR section, <laughs> <laughs> like a PBS panel where we're talking about like the, the, the yeah. dark side of right. American soccer. Yeah. I, I, I think, I think Alexi's comments here are troubling and I, to me anyway, and I disagree pretty strongly with him. I think there's a, an implication here that he's making that if you, if you choose to dissent in any way dissent mm -hmm. in any way even if it's non-violent or not disruptive to those around you that that should be silenced and i think that like that to me is that's unpatriotic yeah that's the antithesis you know, antithesis of what we stand for as a country and so i think it's you know it's valid for him to you know if he feels the way he does about the anthem i think you know i i respect how he feels about it but yep for him to then say that everybody else has to feel the exact same way, that that's the part that bothers me. And I think, um, you know, it's the it's the love it or leave it mentality. And to me, there's a lot more nuance in our political discourse right now. Yeah. That, that love it or leave it just skips right over. And, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's one thing if you're being violent or if you're being, uh, you know, it, preventing other people from expressing themselves sure um but that's that's not what we're talking about here we're talking about megan rapino uh taking a knee or colin Kaepernick silently taking a knee. it's not like uh, it's not like megan rapino this is important that it's not like she's eating a pie on the sideline right, right. sitting down you know talking loudly and being like when mm -hmm. is this over with when mm -hmm. is this background noise you know it, it's I'm still going to say silent during this. I'm going to look at the flag or look down at the ground, mm -hmm. which is something that a lot of people do during the national mm -hmm. anthem anyway, mm -hmm. and still, you know, honor it in that way or take that moment in that way. And I think the, in general, the experiences of someone like Megan Rapino um, are very different than someone like Alexi Lawless. Um, you know, uh, Alexi's a white, straight man, yeah. as far as I know, and. Mm -hmm. You know, Megan is not. She is a woman. She has, um, you know, she's been fighting for for equal pay in her in her profession, mm -hmm. which I respect to the utmost. And if she feels as though she's not being appropriately represented, um, or that she that she, I mean, and let's not forget that this is a a huge decision decision for these players oh, to make. With this the, is a huge scale, statement yeah, that, that, that these. Athlete, I know. mean, this is not something that they're doing lightly. Yeah. Um, and so, for her to feel as strongly as she does about uh, 
whatever it is that she is is thinking that's important to her mm-hmm. let her do it oh absolutely let her do I mean, it. and i think that's a really good point uh it's not something we talked about last time yeah. which is that <laughs> if brent Coleman launches a snot rocket on national right. tv i will talk about it <laughs> brent i love you but i will talk about it likewise if somebody takes a knee and this is a much bigger stance than right. any sort of thing that you're doing during the 90 minutes mm-hmm. It's something that's going to be dissected yes. by the Tony Lawrence mm-hmm. of the world. Mm-hmm. I know that's not her name. Tammy. And that's fine. Tammy. 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 Yeah, you're right. Tammy. Larry. Timmy. Right? Timmy. Timmy. Wee little Timmy. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, it, they, you know, they yeah. love talking about it. The Colin Kaepernick section is still the most watched. You know, in fairness, it's the most watched segment she's ever done. Yeah. As far as I know. And it's something that a lot of people feel very passionately about. I think it's one thing if you purposely don't come out of the tunnel until after the national anthem, Mm -hmm. and if you're just going to completely ignore it, I understand the outrage there. Taking a knee, I don't know. I don't think, because like you said, like both of you have said actually, it's not that you're just doing it because you're bored. It's not because you're doing it because you just want to start playing your sport and this is a thing you have to do. Mm -hmm. You're doing it because, in Megan Rapinoe's case, it's LGBTQ rights in Colin Kaepernick's case it's because of the treatment of black americans right or black people in america right so of course you're doing it for a different reason yeah and this is your way to do that colin kaepernick also something that's unmentioned is that he donates hundreds of thousands of dollars to schools that help better black youth in california mm-hmm. megan rapino i'm sure does her own outreach mm-hmm. everyone has their own causes mm-hmm. this is the way they express it well and i i do think it's a little bit ironic that you know, Alexei is on TV mm-hmm. and is able to literally make this statement that he made, um, but apparently doesn't feel as though those other folks that are on TV playing a sport should also be allowed to make that statement. Sure. So, I, I mean, I, I think everyone's got their own uh, platform and they should use it as they as they see fit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that they've done it in a in a respectful and, to be quite frank, American way. Yeah, I, th- I think it's just, it's a dangerous path to start heading down. You know, I think, you know, Alexi's comments bother me. I think Max Bredos's tweet bothers me. And it was something along the lines of, a f- of the, um, <clears throat> the lines that, you know, if, if you're going to do this or if you plan on doing this as a player, you should turn down the call up in the first place. And like... Boy, that that opens up a whole whole series contract options, of... which there those are. You know, there is at least well, one right. player on United who does get bonuses this mm-hmm. year if they get called in the national mm-hmm. team for World Cup qualifiers or for the Gold Cup. Yeah, and it, like, and if if that's the approach that our national team starts taking, like, where does it stop? Is it is mm-hmm. it just the anthem? Is it Michael Bradley wearing a rainbow armband? Is it Alejandro Bedoya or Darlington Nagby? Or, or Jeff Sasha, Cameron. Or on both sides. Yeah, yeah, Or Jeff Cameron right. being, yeah. being told that because his views are different than Darlington or Alejandro or Michael Bradley. Mm-hmm. That or he, Tim Howard that, because he Tim didn't Howard, vote. Right. He no. should turn down the call up. Sure. That's, I don't, that's not a place that I want our national team program to be in. Mm-hmm. And, and I think for people to suggest, to even hint at that being the case is, is troubling to me and, and yeah. you know I don't know if people like Alexi are just doing it because he's a provocateur and and he likes to make these comments to get people talking and I think that's part of his MO mm-hmm. but there's some weight behind these and I think they need to be more carefully considered when mm-hmm. 
when they're putting these opinions out there. Mm -hmm. I will say, just kind of in closing of this, this kind of putting players in positions they're not comfortable with, making them stand for this, sounds a bit like what Jurgen Klinsmann would do. I'm just going to leave it there. We're going to let that stew for a bit over this music break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the Jarvis, how they got into soccer. And then we're going to talk about the drubbing in Portland and uh, whether it was as bad as it looked. So uh, stay tuned. back to this episode of the 551 podcast uh it is jeff and the jarvis and we are sitting here and we are going to i'm going to ask you guys the question that's an easy question that's never an easy answer um and we'll start with adam here because i learned in the first segment that that's the way you do this uh the question is simply when did you welcome soccer into your heart and why you make it sound so religious but i mean like that's it's <laughs> it a, is it is no. it's an underdog sport in this country yeah. it always will be and there's a weird moment that everyone seems to have and this is something that wes is gone he's the one who always asks this but i get it like you don't you stumble upon soccer at mm-hmm. least in my experience mm-hmm. it's not that like i grew up and my parents were vikings fans their whole lives or twins fans or whatever like everyone has a moment that they fall into soccer mm-hmm. so what was yours yeah, it, you know, it's funny. I I grew up in a really non-traditional soccer place, the Iron Range from mm-hmm. Hibbing. And I I feel like I'm supposed to have this moment, because I'm from a, a non-traditional soccer place, I'm supposed to have this moment where all of a sudden I saw the light and became a soccer fan. But oddly enough, I don't. I can never remember not being a soccer fan. I think it, you know, I attribute it, I guess, to the fact that I had a, a babysitter from Germany and she... I think brainwashed me into liking the game and <laughs> he also speaks german by the way really a little yeah a little bit i don't want to brag so you were christian nicht <laughs> yeah the man named christian yeah. not yeah. who was in goal for minnesota united that was you it's a great great name but, but yeah i think it, it, it's i guess i would trace it back to her because i you know the traditional thing to do in that part of the world in northern minnesota northeastern minnesota is to play hockey and mm-hmm. i did like everybody else, I played hockey since the time I can remember, but I can also never remember a time where I didn't also play soccer. What position uh, did you play? I was number 10. Really? Yeah. <laughs> you were the, I've asked this to about a dozen people, and you were the first person who's ever been like attacking mid. I was a number 10 in soccer, and oddly enough, I was a goalie in hockey. The two smartest yeah, positions. <laughs> no, no, okay. Mm-hmm. The two smartest okay. positions. Mm-hmm. Okay. Jeff. <laughs> All right. No, I'm not uh, knocking it. I mean, I, I think a lot of people might argue that a center in hockey is a little bit smarter. Nah. Not you. They want you to think that. I mean, there's a really easy connection between an attacking mid and a center. Yeah. No, it, it is. It, I grant you. It's, it's kind of a weird, <laughs> it is a weird connection. And it's a weird, it's a weird place to grow up mm-hmm. into a soccer fan, but, but there it is. And I actually think I saw you on a Wheaties box. Weren't you a part of the first <laughs> Hibbing soccer team I in was. the high school? 1996 boom but it's just i think that's what's this is a larger comment and i'll try to keep it brief but i think it's interesting that i think our collective generation in a lot of parts of the country was the first generation that did grow up with soccer because like Mm -hmm. my parents my parents didn't know anything about soccer my dad works in the mines like not a soccer guy my mom didn't know anything about soccer i started playing it and you know there are enough of us to petition to get an official sanctioned varsity program started at Hibbing High School in 1996. Uh, You know, World Cup, 94, Mm -hmm. MLS starting in 96. There was kind of this wave. 
and you know from there it's it's grown into a thing there you know they ripped up old baseball and softball fields and now there's a soccer complex with lights and concession stands and, and we didn't have that but it's great to see and i think that's part of what's fueling the growth of the game or has fueled the growth of the game throughout the country is that there's a lot of places like hibbing that that up until like probably the mid late 90s soccer wasn't wasn't on the radar oh and absolutely then, and now it is and now it's just part of the landscape yeah and so then for you katie <laughs> when uh... I, I came a little bit later okay uh adam and i had just started dating and he we were in college and, and this is this like what two, two weeks ago right three? two weeks ago cool um it was 2003 <laughs> that we started dating and so then 2004 was confederations cup it was Confederations uh, it was or Gold like Cup. probably like in the height of qualifying for the 2006 World Cup. That might have been it. That Euro something, Confederation. Euro. Right. Euro. Regardless. A minor tournament. <laughs> like Euro. I minor. was the one who recorded all of the games while Adam was in class because, you know, of course oh. we had differing class schedules. Okay. So I was the one that recorded all of the games. And so naturally I watched all of these games as right. well. Um, but then I think, you know it started to become very apparent that he was a little crazed over over this sport and so if i was going to if we were going to continue to to hang out together that this was going to be a part of our relationship yeah. as well and I, it certainly has been it was a, it was a deal breaker like if you couldn't get into the soccer thing that was right, it and right. like you you were dedicated pretty early and on. i didn't like, play growing up i played hockey growing up and i played all the really? way yeah okay I played what all position in hockey were you I a was goalkeeper defense. Slash, okay. no i was no. defense okay. i was defense which is let's be real like the that defense is the quarterback of the right of the team right yeah sure yeah um and so i was defense and i played for you know it was great it was lovely it was Mm -hmm. a wonderful experience for me but you know i always had friends that played soccer um who also played hockey and so they're very similar sports and so it was really easy for me to learn and understand and so it was just kind of a natural but i will vouch for how quickly she became dedicated with one <laughs> quick story back before a i was old enough to get into bars okay and b oh soccer. is she older than you no 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 <laughs> okay but this is no but that's how, were, that's but how long was, we've been dating 2003 we're, <laughs> this, pretty, we're pretty young that's how long we've been enough. together so i wasn't old enough to get into like the local, or I don't know, it was the local around back then, but yeah, like Brits, but bars, Brits pub or you're giving examples of bars to nice. watch to watch soccer. <laughs> yes. And our limited options near the U forced my friend Federico, who's from Uruguay, and I to figure out which places we could go around the U to watch soccer. And the one place that we landed on that we ended up going back to over and over again was the Burger King on Washington Avenue. On the U of M campus. No shit. Federico, they had a TV in the corner. Okay. We didn't have any money, so we could go there and buy, like, fries or something. Ten, so they, ten so they, nuggets five for bucks a bar. So they couldn't, stuff, they couldn't right. kick us out. There's your free advertising. <laughs> and Federico, being a native of Uruguay and a native Spanish speaker, would befriend the kitchen staff who spoke Spanish and would convince them to turn on Champions League games at the Burger King on Washington Avenue on the U of M campus, and many a time, Katie joined us at the Burger King. We had a nice lunch date over some charbroiled uh, burgers while we sat. Chicken and fries, chicken fries, chicken fries, oh, chicken, fries. Chicken, fries. League, chicken fries, chicken fries, and Champions League. Come a long way. That's right. <laughs> that's, that's a long... Do you still have? Have you ever gone back since college? Just to like to have that Burger one King? Burger King, we have. yes, yeah, 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 yeah. yes, yeah. to watch Champions not, League. No, not, no. Oh, okay, okay. 
No. no that would be incredible. I think there are better options now. I was right. say, there was a couple weeks right. ago where MLS Soccer's Andrew Weeby was here. We took him right. these other places. We should have took him to Burger King. Maybe that's where Dark Clouds should start the march to the match. <laughs> the Burger King is just King. a slow crawl as everyone just passes. I was like, yeah. you know what? I'm out, actually. Uh, we do have a question because you guys were also billboard models. Right. Um, you were the inaugural models for Minnesota United's ad campaign, um, which mm-hmm. involves listing your profession. Did you know? Actually, this is a question. Did you know that your profession would be listed on the billboard? Uh, we didn't know until... After they had taken the pictures, and then they, I think it may have been the day before they sent an email out asking for our professions. We had mm. no idea what they were going to do with them. They, so. Yeah, I mean, they asked for a series of, I guess they sent a series of pretty basic questions like, what do you do? Where do you live? Mm-hmm. And I think I was kind of more intrigued by the, you know, where do you live? What neighborhood do you live in? Sure. Kind of thing. Because I, I don't know. It'd be kind of interesting for me to see, like, so-and-so Duluth or so-and-so yeah. Midway or, yeah. or yeah. Northeast mm-hmm. or Bloomington or whatever. But, but yeah, they asked for our professions. But I don't think they ever actually told us that it was because they were going to put us onto a billboard. They kept the whole thing pretty... It was pretty hush-hush. Pretty hush-hush. In um, terms of what... What, what the output yeah. was. That's be. rare for this club. <laughs> yeah. I, You're kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so so we didn't know really okay. what what the what the end yeah. goal was of yeah. this. We were just there to take pictures and you know with a whole bunch of other people. A whole bunch of Which other is people. Good. Yeah. Another day in the life yeah, of the journalist. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um but this question comes from Kate Sophia who's referencing yes. this campaign. Derek Zoolander had blue steel. What were the names of your signature looks? I think I'm just going to say the same thing I said in round one of uh, this the dress rehearsal. <laughs> dress rehearsal. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't know. That I have the signature look except for I. I'm going to be wearing my Dark Clouds business casual scarf, mm. and if I had to choose a signature look, I'd probably choose that. In fact, I wore it here tonight to offset the fact that I'm wearing a <clears throat> that I'm wearing a Portland T-shirt. Yes, you are. <laughs> I have a very sad story, by the way, about the casual <laughs> scarf. I do actually. Uh, I bought one of those. I was kind of happy with it, but I was always I like the Be Here Now scarf a mm-hmm. little bit more because mm-hmm. that is that to me is kind of an iconic scarf right now mm-hmm. because that was the year that the MLS announcement came out, right time, right scarf. Right. There was a time where I was low on funds and my brother spotted me money for the Death Loon Express, okay. and in exchange I traded him my casual <laughs> scarf, and that is a trade I've regretted every oh, damn day no. of my life As since you then. <laughs> yeah. Best piece of merchandise, Dark Clouds. Making it worse, Jake, friend of the podcast who's been on a couple of times, wears it every damn day. Good. Just because. Anytime I see him, I honestly don't remember the last time I've seen Mm -hmm. him where he hasn't been wearing this scarf. I still regret, and Katie will vouch for this, I packed mine in the suitcase to Portland. I brought it with. Mm -hmm. But then game day decision, I decided to wear the new new split scarf, the Timbers, uh, or the Timbers Army Dark Cloud split scarf, which is beautiful. That was a great scarf. But I regret not wearing the business casual. And then at the game, I saw Bruce McGuire, and what was Bruce wearing? Uh, Nothing. (laughs) Nothing but... A casual scarf. Yes, and he looked magnificent. Mm-hmm. So oh, yeah, I appreciate, I appreciate somebody Legend. representing that scarf. <laughs> There'll be one week where Wes is gone. I'll bring on to Nord. <laughs> and it's just going to get weird. I like it. I'm looking forward to it. All right, fair enough. Do you have a, Katie, do you have a name for uh, <laughs> your modeling think, look? We had a question with I think my, mine would probably be Permagran because... Okay. <laughs> well, I get I get a little I get a little weird and anxious about stuff like that so my default is just to smile yeah and then i'll just smile bigger and okay. bigger 
and bigger and bigger. So I will also say this pro tip to anybody that hasn't yet purchased one of the new jerseys. You got to size it up. Ooh, they run small. They run a little tight. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Cause you guys both wore jerseys for this. Right. Yeah. And it was the right. day after the Jersey unveil. Uh-huh. Wasn't it? So very fresh in Evans mind. No one yes. owned them yet. And they ran tight. Yeah. Ooh, they ran like, tight. Bring me a large. Put the large on. That's not the right thing. Take it away. So one size bigger, two size. This is. Actually, I think. I think, this well, is I think one size will be all right. Yeah, I did one, one size, size bigger, bigger than your usual. Mm-hmm. Word of mm-hmm. one. Pro okay, tip. that's Pro good tip. to know. Mm-hmm. You guys also went to Portland, as your T-shirt suggests, as you're parading your last weekend. This is like wearing like you went to a concert and you right. have like the I know. I paper feel stand. A, yeah. a little yeah. embarrassed. By it. But my defense, it's not a Portland Timbers shirt. It's just a generic Portland shirt. It is like right. is that navy or black? It's kind of weird here. So it's navy and then it has like gold cursive. Right. Which is when you know it's Portland. Right. That says Portland. It's striking, Plain. isn't it? Plain and simple. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I can't unsee it. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm staring right. at it now. Right. Um, you guys went to Portland. Yes. You were the Dark Clouds liaisons to Portland. <laughs> I was there when you guys were asked for that. So kind we, of. We were. We didn't. Ben, How much work was that? Ben. Ben was really yeah. the one that did all the work and refrained from drinking to make sure that, <laughs> oh, that nothing went wrong. We did not. Uh, yeah. You but, did good for you. <laughs> but honestly, yes. I mean, we we did um, we did agree to help out, but I can say very, very proudly that our fans, Dark Clouds, True North Elite, independent people that were there were so well-behaved mm-hmm. and so respectful that, we didn't really have anything to do. I mean, yeah. it was nothing to police. The march really. was, yeah. great. It was great. There was, I mean, it, it was just a, it was a very positive trip. And mm-hmm. I think contrasted with some of the uglier scenes we saw, you know, in Atlanta, which we talked about, and in, in Orlando, which I don't know that we touched on, there was some mm-hmm. violence after the game. Like, it, that couldn't be further from what our experience in Portland was. Mm-hmm. So that's fantastic. So yeah, yeah. We, we volunteered to help, but didn't need to do much. And credit. Right. I don't know if you, you two probably didn't come up with this. I'm not like knocking your creative ability, but there was the two pole that said, put a bird on it. Oh, it was beautiful. With the loons logo on top of the MLS crest. Uh, we at MLS soccer gave you guys attention for that. That was incredible. It was, it was so great. good. That was great. I, I don't know. Who Very clever. It, I don't, I don't know who was really? responsible for that. It's probably Mort. My favorite Mort. Mort, who's been at every been game at every since game. the kicks days. Probably his wife, Cindy. Cindy, you get yeah, yeah. you get it. Like probably Mort and Cindy. Wife. She's the creative one. There. Cindy's. Oh, Cindy's great. Have you ever had Cindy's homemade peach pie? If not, so good. You guys, I'll set you guys up. You guys can meet like Cindy it. and Morton. They're, they're great Did, people. Speaking of clever two poles, I have to Yikes. give a shout out to the Portland Timbers fans that did the hockey one. Yes. Yeah. The yes. attention to detail on that, I I have to respect. They had hockey stick blades mm-hmm. at the top of it. They had the, uh, the, I think it said, stick to what you're good at, don't you know? Yes, it did. It was like a welcome to MLS. Yeah. Right. yeah. So funny, random story about that. Yeah. I get into work today, and so I took Friday off to go to the game, and I get into work today, and all my coworkers are going, oh, how, you know, how was the trip? Was it yeah. great? And yeah, it was great. And and then a uh, coworker of mine, Britta Hauser, who also lives in St. Paul. Name goes, drop. Name drop. Hey, did you, uh, <laughs> did you see that hockey banner? And I said, yeah, I did, actually. It was all over, it was all over Twitter. And she goes, yeah, my friend made that. He's from <laughs> No here. way. He's a trader. A Minnesotan who He's went Minnesota to Portland. Native. Is it Brandon? <laughs> I don't know the don't, one Minnesota transplant in Portland. I don't know, I don't know the guy uh, personally. I've never met him, and I don't actually don't even know his name. But it turns out that it's a friend of a friend and coworker. Of course, of mine, it's a Minnesota. It was a Minnesota native. So clever. Yeah, it We're was so clever. It was I knew, you, knew, you knew it had to be somebody from the inside. Yes, an <laughs> yeah, It was an inside job. That's right. It was a mole. But credit for that. It was yes. great. Yeah, that was great. Really great. Uh, awesome. Um, 
little less great. Let's talk about the match that you guys watched. Thanks. <laughs> Sorry. Good Yeesh. thing you guys are drinking. Um, <laughs> yeah. Cream and Cascadia. Uh, Portland 5, Minnesota 1. Are you allowed to say that? Uh, <laughs> in the confines <laughs> of the 55-1 studio I am. Right. And nowhere else. Um, I think it's fair to just call a spade a spade. It was an ugly match in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. I think there were a lot of aspects of the back line in particular, um, especially if I'm looking right. Yeah. That Agreed. that was something I noticed. There's going to be an article I'm putting up either on Tuesday or Wednesday on 55.1 where I'm going to take 8 to 30 second video clips of the match and show you what I thought about the match. And... Okay, so Darlington Negby was playing out on the left wing, which is a little bit new for him mm-hmm. on Portland. He's someone mm-hmm. who's kind of a jack-of-all-trade, master of none, who's been playing all over the pitch for Caleb Porter since Porter came into Portland. And he's playing on left wing now with all the new talent. This is probably the best starting 11 that the Portland Timbers have ever put out on the field, including their 2015 campaign. And Negby looked hungry. Diego Valeri looked ready to play. He's mm-hmm. one of the best players in the league, in my opinion. And he showed why. Fernando Adi is one of the best strikers when he wants to play. And he showed why. He wanted to play. And it showed they were going after the right side of the pitch, which is Jermaine Taylor and Vadim Demidov. Yep. Jermaine Taylor, who they know well. They know very well. That's true, because he's a former Portland Timber. And I think that's part of it. Um, Actually, this goes back to last year when Tampa Bay beat Minnesota 3-0 at home. I talked to Khalif Al-Hassan after the game, and he was like, I know exactly, and this is no slide on Venegas, Kevin Venegas, but I know exactly where he likes to be on the pitch, and so I tried not to be there. Mm-hmm. Former teammates always kind of have that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So, And that goes in any sport. And so they were exploiting that uh, Leapin' Larry Olam, <laughs> not so much friend of the podcast, um, who Wes and I kind of dug into last week, scored the first goal. Uh, it was a, a bit of a questionable free kick. I don't know. Uh, was that the corner that the supporters were in where the, the Francisco Calvo foul was? Yes. It was, yeah. Yes. Was that a foul? I didn't think so. A friend of ours, uh, Elisa Macunia, who's a referee, disagreed vehemently with me in the stands. But it was she a foul. Is want to do. But okay. I, to me, it didn't look like it. And right. I think to the other you know, 150 or 200 people, Elisa aside, no, it, did, it didn't. It didn't. It Forget didn't the one like who right. actually does the profession the, that right, calls the fouls. Who is also a referee. Right. It didn't look like a foul, but you know that that was the call, and you've got to be prepared for that. Yeah. For the ensuing set piece and yeah and what comes after that mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and uh i think you all were more prepared than uh the people in the box probably at that time probably it was yeah, tough it, it looked uh, it was it looked you know chaotic i will say the the bright spot for me of course in the in the match was being able to watch christian ramirez score his first mls goal yes it was a beautiful goal. It wasn't a, you know, kind of a dirty uh, deflection or, right. you know, off a, a, another player. It was just yeah. beautiful. He set it up. He knew exactly where he wanted to put it and he nailed it. He did a really great job. And so that was really nice to see one, him in his MLS debut get mm-hmm. that goal, but to also see it be a really good goal yes. as well. It was a bit of a surprise. Ramirez and Ibarra <laughs> did not start that mm-hmm. match. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, uh, myself included, had guessed that those two would be just in Sharpie into the opening weekend starting 11. They right. were not. Ramirez came in in the 68th minute, and uh, it was an incredible goal. 
Yep. I mean, it really was. It came off of his left ankle. It was a little wrong. If you haven't listened, by the way, go back to uh, Callum Williams, the new... It's a beautiful call. I saw oh. that too. Oh, Isn't that a fantastic call? call? Goosebumps. Yeah. Goosebumps. Credit to you, Callum Williams, if yes. you listen to this. Yes. Um, good work on that call. That opening call for the first goal um, in Minnesota United history in MLS. You did it right. Mm-hmm. So credit to you, Callum. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, so it's 2-1, mm-hmm. right? 80th minute now. And everything kind of fell apart from there, huh? I, w- I would have been all right with 2-1. 2-1. I would have been okay with that. How about that. 3-1? Let's play Price is Right. 3-1? I, I probably would have been deal. okay with that, too. Okay. It was the it was the 4-5 and five that hurt. That was, okay. the, that was the dagger. See, yeah, I don't know. I almost for me. think, to, for me, it was the third one that hurt. Because I think, you know, when Christian came on, Andy Barr came on. And I think more so when Christian came on, and it... And it changed what Johan Venegas was doing on the field. It was pretty clear watching it live that something the dynamic had changed and we were able to we were able to think about going forward a little bit more than we had been up to that point. And when we got the goal, there was a stretch there where it felt like maybe we could build some momentum and and steal one and, you know, walk out of Portland on opening night in the rain with 2-2. Like, there was part of you that believed that was possible. Mm-hmm. Right. For a really, really short period like of time. Like, two minutes before <laughs> Valeri scored the PK. Right. And then, right. And then Valeri gets the PK. And, you know, from our vantage point, that was on the opposite end of the field. Yeah. And from our vantage point, of course, we all thought it was the worst call ever made. Yes. And, you know, it turns out, yeah, yeah, you know, maybe no, it was, was a good call. Good. Maybe he was down very good. Yeah, it was actually pretty a good. A little easily, but... <laughs> a like, little bit. It was a 9 out of 10. That's that was just, a good call. That's right. a justifiable call. And <laughs> yes. I don't think anybody can really argue that. But but at the time, in the moment, it felt like it felt like the momentum had been stolen yeah. from us. Of course. Yeah. And so that, oh, yeah. so that goal, to me, was the killer. And I think it felt like a killer to the team, too, because you could tell it, it kind of deflated them. I think that's something that's different from NASL. Mm-hmm. where you can be down 2-0, 3-0, and you score the one, and 100% the momentum changes. Yes. And suddenly it's, oh, you just scored a goal. Christian was able to get a goal. Mm-hmm. Minnesota's going to at least get a point out of Flood this. Floodgates can open, yeah. Meanwhile, in MLS, right. the 2015 champs at home with the Timbers army behind them and everyone in Portland, who credit where credit's due, to me, that's the most intimidating place to play in Major League Easily. Soccer. Easily. Easily. And you guys have and been there now. It, yeah. I mean, it, I... We've played everywhere else. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's true. You've, <laughs> we, we been, compare. you've been to like Costa Rica. You've been right. to Mexico. If there's a beach, you've been there. <laughs> let me let me tell you, the <laughs> the atmosphere in Portland was quintessential Portland, right? I mean, it was raining, 45 degrees. Um, the stadium was just full of people mm-hmm. cheering for the Timbers. And it that's hard. That's yeah, a difficult a, place to play. It's, it's not at home. No. I think God giving no. up that goal, giving up that third goal in Frisco, Texas, sure. is, isn't the dagger that it is in mm-hmm. front of I hope not. Portland's, I'm at that match this year. In front of Portland's <laughs> I'm at the Frisco match this year. Yeah. You know, and, I, and I think sometimes people I think can overstate the importance of the crowd, but I think in moments like that, mm-hmm. Where you know it's been building, it's been building all game long, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden they get that they get that penalty call right in front of Timber's army. Yeah, he buries it, and then the momentum's there. And from I mean the crowd was loud the whole time, but from that point on, it wasn't just Timber's army; it was everybody in that stadium. And when Adi scored again, there were there were twenty some thousand people chanting Adi in unison, and it was deafening. And mm-hmm. 
you can't tell me that for a team of guys that have never played in the league <laughs> right. and that are kind of flustered anyway and that you're of a little shell shocked because you got the goal and then you got the call against you. You can't tell me it didn't affect them. You could see it. They they yeah. they kind of deflated. They looked panicky and just doing the Rolodex in my head, you had Taylor, who had played in Portland before. Mm-hmm. You had Warner, Saeed, Venegas, Molino. Mm-hmm. So that's five. And then you look, and yeah, Shuler was the first sub. So yeah, I mean, that that's still less than half of your team, no matter what, who had never yeah. played in Major League Soccer, yeah. had never heard of the Portland Timbers Army, probably at that point. Mm-hmm. Or they'd heard of them, but they'd never thought like, oh, come on, this is... They're, they're going to be American They've soccer fans really who are standing experienced and clapping. It. It, is, right. it is an experience. Like, credit where credit's due. They are amazing. We can only, you know, hope to be what they are. And I, I hope that we ultimately get there. Really the do. Yeah. yeah, with the dark clouds. With, with, with T&E, any, with all any the Minnesota, there. Yeah, all of the Minnesota supporters groups, whoever yeah. they are. Um, I hope that we are able to, to bring what Timbers Army brings. They mm-hmm. are phenomenal my my two kind of selfish takes here um about this match and specifically with that first goal first and we kind of touched on this i'm glad it wasn't fluky mm-hmm. i'm glad it wasn't an own goal especially right where you had to be like the first goal ever was scored by liam ridgewell's ass where it was just like they tried to kick it and it bounced <laughs> off liam ridgewell and it went in the back of the net the, the second thing is i'm glad it happened in this match yes because for pretty much every single week from here on i'm in the press box mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you can't celebrate in the press box. Right. But the fact that Minnesota soccer is now in the big leagues, that's something that no matter what your role is in Minnesota soccer, you celebrate it. Mm-hmm. And to have it be scored now, I got out of my system. <laughs> I got to run up to my brother and basically tackle him in the nomad. You right. know, it was perfect. Right. And that's, I mean, that is a goal, like we talked about already, that I think will be remembered. But I think like you both said, there's a lot that needs to be fixed here. Yeah. So let's take a break quick. Let's come back here. We'll talk about the Atlanta match that's coming up on Sunday. And then we're going to go ahead and we're going to talk a little bit more about what went right and especially what went wrong with Portland. And we're going to try to fix it in time for Atlanta on Sunday. And welcome back to the Wiki Library Podcast. I'm Jeff here and I'm sitting here with Adam and Katie Jarvie. And we are going to look ahead now. We're going to look at this next Sunday at TCF Bank Stadium where Minnesota United and Atlanta United, the two expansion sides, are going to be squaring off at TCF Bank Stadium. Uh, did either of you, it sounds like you both got to watch at least a little bit of the uh, Atlanta-New York Red Bulls yeah, match. Yeah, definitely. Um, ugliness off the field aside mm-hmm. and partly on the field with the beer cups. Mm-hmm. What did you see with Atlanta? I mean, what's something that you're looking at and you're saying Minnesota United either be like ready to be on the defense or ultimately they can attack this? They were fast. Yeah. That game was fast. It was a fast-paced game. And and I think ultimately, you know, they kind of fell apart towards the end, but I think Minnesota is going to have their work cut out for them with that, and I think they need to be um they got to step it up. That's sure. What it comes down to. Sure. Yeah, the, the speed stood out. I think Almiron's got speed, or as as Jesse Marsh said, I don't know if you caught this when he yeah. was when he was mic'd up. I think he referred to him as Al Myron. <laughs> that Al Myron guy. Al Myron, the guy good. who runs the local like car mechanic shop. Yeah, yeah. But Almiron is he's fast. You know, I think his skill level is undeniable. Whether or not he's going to live up to the hype in the league throughout the season is still a question mark. But you can't deny the fact that he's skilled and he's fast. Vialba, you could say a lot of the same things about. 
Um, you know, and, and right now you look at our back line and how do you how do you handle people running at you with that much pace? Who handles that, especially out on the flanks? And yeah. you know, you know, like we talked about in the dry run, maybe this is maybe this is the opportunity since it sounds like our our Swiss reinforcement isn't going to be here in time. Correct. Maybe maybe you put Viva in at right back because he can he's going to be able to match pace better than Jermaine Taylor is going to be, and I, I don't think you can really argue that. And you know what Taylor has an experience. You know I don't know that that showed its value on Friday night. So maybe sure. this is an opportunity to, you know, throw Kevin out there. And, and that perfectly and segues happens. into what Longfellow Loons asked, which is uh, why shouldn't Viva start over Taylor? I mean, why shouldn't he, if you're playing devil's advocate here, Taylor is a veteran of the league. He's seen every single team that's won MLS cup since like the mid two thousands. <laughs> he's a veteran of the Jamaican national team as well. So he's played CONCACAF. He understands uh, how each team should try to play. And Atlanta, while they're trying to do something that's never been done before, they look like other teams. Mm-hmm. You mean, ultimately, yeah. there's no such thing as a team that catches you off guard and right. plays a style of soccer that you've never seen before. Right. So that's why. Because Taylor can maybe position himself for Yamil Hassad. Or if um, Kenwin Jones has his visa cleared in time, he might be in the starting 11 and then Joseph Martinez would play inverted on the left wing Mm -hmm. is most likely how that would work. And so then he would know how to position better. The thing is, and I think it's something that you referenced. I don't know if it's during the dress rehearsal (laughs) or during this current one, but Viva has speed for days Yeah, and he is able to track back or he is able to keep up. If you're playing neck and neck and you have Assad or Martinez who is going to be gunning down that left wing I mean, that's something that we saw Portland take advantage of with Nagby, and it's something that you could see with Atlanta. And I think, too, you know, if you're if you're going to, in my opinion, start experimenting with lineups and players and all of that, why not do it now? Sure. Why not do it now when you have some, you've got a little bit of wheel room. You know, people are willing to give you some space to to make mistakes. To... A lot of people think Minnesota United is cute. Okay. Right and, now, and, you know what I mean. Yeah, like, and yeah. No, I get that. I yeah. get that. And but I think if you're, if there's ever a moment to do it, it's now. Do it now, sure. and and give them a chance. Okay. And yeah. I mean, in fairness, there's also the credo where it's the home opener. Yeah. There are going to be the nine thousand who came to Blaine every week. Mm-hmm. They're going to want to see their guys. Yep. Whether it's Christian Ramirez, Miguel Ibarra, yep. Kevin Venegas, Ibsen. You know, mm-hmm. these guys who were on the roster in the mm-hmm. last year or two, they're going to want to see those guys. Work. They've put in work. Yes. There's a yeah. reason that they're here. Right. It's not just to fill numbers. You can find right. the league minimum guys anywhere. These guys aren't league minimum guys. Mm-hmm. You brought mm-hmm. them along for a reason. Mm-hmm. So you could start Venegas, and I don't think you would get a lot of people, especially inside the market, who have followed the team who are saying, right. why are you doing that? Right. Yeah, I think, you know, I think there's enough to be concerned about in terms of speed with Taylor that I think you could make an honest argument either for either one really. Mm -hmm. And and I think, you know, what Taylor, as you mentioned, what Taylor lacks in, in speed and, and some other qualities he makes up for in experience. And, you know, there's, there's value in that. There's value in the savvy of knowing how some of these international level players are going to operate, you know? And I think what, what Venegas lacks in experience, he makes up for at least a little bit in 
in speed, and at this point, since he didn't get any minutes in Portland, he's probably awfully hungry, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and there, there's something to be said for that, too. Of course. And let's that dives right into a question that Garth Grauberg asked, which is, on a scale from Klinsman to photocopies, what's the proper amount of tinker for weekly lineups and formation? I think the question here is specifically about things like Venegas or Taylor, mm-hmm. uh, Ramirez starting, Ibarra starting. Klinsman obviously was notorious for playing players in positions they'd never heard of before, photocopies... Um, tried and true, every single week you're going to put them out exactly the same way. So somewhere on that spectrum, for you two at least, um, what would you do with this lineup as you're looking ahead towards Atlanta United this coming Sunday at TCF Bank? I Yeah, I, I think I'll go out on a limb and say if, if I were in Adrian's position, mm-hmm. I put in Viva Ramirez and Ibarra from opening kick and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Why not? At this point. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that. I mean, it goes back to what I was saying previously. If there's if there's ever a time to to kind of experiment and and try to see what might work, it's now. It's right now because, you know, expectations are I don't want to say they're low, but people understand. Oh, they're low. They're (laughs) They're very low. I don't I I don't want to say they're low. I don't want to say they're low, Jeff, but they're low. But but people understand (laughs) when you, you know, are are trying out different formations and different lineups right now. People get it. Of course. So, yeah, I think the biggest challenge is going to be there's going to be tinkering, I think, to a certain degree all season long with the midfield because we've created a bit of a challenge for ourselves by signing so many midfielders that at least on paper you could make the argument for most of them getting a starting spot. Mm-hmm. You know, we we don't know a whole lot about Gat's ability to to perform at the level that he was once capable of, but you know, you you've got Gat, Ibarra, uh, Molino, Venegas. You've got all these guys that could make an argument to start and you've only got so many places for him in that field that unless you start seriously talking about switching one of them to a position they're not comfortable with like when everybody was saying josh gat to write back you know yes unless that was a fun week by the way uh, unless (laughs) you start to really have those discussions you're gonna have a log jam in the middle and what do you somebody's gonna have to sit and maybe it's ibarra maybe it's kadri you know kadri's one that i that i forgot to mention but yeah but he know, started the opener. He he started the opener and and I think struggled a little bit and mm-hmm. you know I don't know give Miguel a chance in front of the, the home crowd and see what happens. I think Kadri would be a good spark off the bench if if things aren't quite working out. I agree. I mean that's something I've been saying on Twitter now for since the Friday match. Mm-hmm. You know I I think that Miguel is a player who plays at his best when he gets time to ease into the game like everyone else gets to. Mm-hmm. And he's a player that you don't think like oh it's the seventy fifth Miguel hasn't scored a goal gotten an assist right take him out you know he's a player was like well he's playing defense too Mm -hmm. or he's creating chances or he's creating space so that christian can manipulate that and take the goal yeah so yeah absolutely i i think one other thing that we we didn't talk about in in round one of this and we haven't mentioned yet that i think is worth pausing briefly to there is something to know (laughs) that we haven't covered twice uh (laughs) the importance of the psychologically the importance of christian getting that first goal in the first game, within 10 minutes of coming onto the field. Wes his... is having to cross his legs right now at work as he's listening to this podcast <laughs> to thank you for mentioning In his that. very first MLS start, here's a guy that our our own fans, I think, have been, 
even kind of wondering, like, can can he do it at the next level? Even the most optimistic of us and biggest supporters of Christian, of course, I think we're left kind of wondering because we just don't know. We we didn't know. Uh, can he do it at this no, level? There's no projection you can do. And for a striker, it's all about confidence. And now you've got a guy that maybe was a little pissed off that he wasn't in the starting eleven to begin with. Mm-hmm. Maybe he wasn't. I don't know. But I, I imagine if I were him, I'd be a little peeved about that sure he gets put into the game he turns calmly confidently picks his spot and slots at home and now he's got his first mls goal and he is an mls goal scorer yeah so like to me if you don't build on that mental momentum and mm-hmm. start him in the next game it's it's an opportunity lost i think mm-hmm. players like that need need that continuity they mm-hmm. need that faith in them and and i think he he can score a fair amount of goals in this league especially now that he's yeah he's got the first one out of the way mm-hmm. i mean i've gone on record as saying he'll get double digits this year i hope so I think it's reason- five yeah. different like media markets mm-hmm. across america I think it's mm-hmm. reasonable. i've said it and i think that that's the king and that's what wes has been saying over the last couple of weeks it's what i think too he's the type of player and strikers are this fickle way where if they score immediately in the season or in the first couple of weeks Put them down for 12 to 16 goals, mm-hmm. and they're going to be fine. It's a big yeah. deal. I think that he's uh, the over-under for him right now for me is set at 11 and a half. And yeah. Grant Wall, that's how you set over-unders, by the way. Mm-hmm. You put a half number so that there's no push. Um, <laughs> Grant Wall, dig. Boom. Uh, the counterpoint there is that if he had taken five weeks to score a goal, he's suddenly thinking, it's MLS, I can't do it. Yeah. Right. And you fall into a trap that a player like... Tom Heineman, Matt Fondy, these guys who have had success in NASL and in USL, but for whatever reason couldn't do the same goal scoring thing in MLS. Mm-hmm. And both of them ran their course and both of them are in NASL where they're doing well. And credit right. where credit's due. Right. Carol North Carolina, they're not the Railhawks anymore. <laughs> and uh San Francisco Deltas, who now have Tom Heineman, they've got good strikers on their hands for their levels. But for whatever reason, there's something about scoring a goal in MLS that can change a goal scorer's fate. And so yeah, I think you're both right. You know, I, I think that Ramirez getting that goal, I think that's a major asset it's for him. It's a big him. deal. Um, Kip Waxland asks, uh, Adi made Demidov look lost with his fourth and fifth goals. Is Tyson's paperwork close to being finished? Does Ibarra replace Saeed in the starting lineup? Uh, twofold. Um, Tyson's... Uh, do have either of you... Do you have... Uh, well, Tyson's not going to replace Demidov. So the, yeah, those are kind of unrelated things. But yeah. I, I think, yes, Ibarra... Ibarra replaces Saeed. Yeah. For me, that's a yes. Abara mm-hmm. plays no matter what in the opener. Yeah. I, I think so, yeah. I think yeah. that's fair. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think that when Ramirez came in and when Abara came in, the team seemed to respond positively. You see this with substitutes. Sometimes it looks like, oh, this is a guy that ownership has said you mm-hmm. need to play this guy, mm-hmm. or this is a guy that we want on the field. When Ramirez came in, Venegas, and we talked about this already, looked more comfortable mm-hmm. because he didn't have to stand at the top of the box yep. and pretend to be a target forward. He's someone who thrives as a second striker or as a number 10. And he was able to do that now with Ramirez in. Right. And he had the assist on Ramirez's goal. And I think that's something that's important to mention. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you're looking at Ibarra, yeah, I think it makes sense to play him. Uh, as far as the logistics between Tyson and Minnesota United and getting his paperwork set up, uh, it's not quite done yet. It's very damn close. But I think it's going to be like down to the wire as far as Tyson being able to play at right back, mm-hmm. um, the new Swiss signing for Minnesota United at right back. Um, Jezza Penguin asks, what do you predict average home attendance will be after the opener? 
Um, there are 11,000 season ticket holders. Uh, Jess the Penguin is guessing 16 to 17,000 average if you're removing the opener. And I think that is that's fair because that's going to be like 30, 35,000 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you think? I mean, what are you guys just kind of prognosticating here? Um, I, w- I would be very happy with 16 or 17. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in the first go round, I think we, you know, we had a conversation about I kind of think is we think it's going to be more. Yeah. Um, and I and I hope that it is. I really hope that it is. I would be very, very happy with 16 to 17 average. So sure. Um, I- and it. I think you're. I think you're being too pessimistic. And I'm totally underestimating because <laughs> that's what I do. I, no, I I'm. I'm a worst case scenario again, person. How, sure. And I guess I point to. If you were to go back five years and say, Minnesota United. Is going to be playing in NASL in Blaine, Minnesota, pulling eight or nine thousand a game. Mm-hmm. None of us would have said that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it still kind of blows my mind, and I mentioned this in the you, you mentioned that in the Guardian in the Guardian thing. Yeah, I mean that that that's a lot of people going to watch second division soccer twenty five minutes out of the city. And with all due respect to all the hard work that people in the in the club front office have put in to get to that point, there was relatively little buzz in the broader community about this team, and they were still pulling nine thousand a game in Blaine. Yeah, and if you look at what season ticket holder numbers are throughout MLS, 11,000 is good. Yes. 11,000 is a lot better than teams, than some teams, I should New say, that, that have been around for a long, long time. We could have gone on for the bad with New England revolution for everything months, by that's the way. Bad, so, yes. we, yeah, that's just a given. But, yeah. but I think, Thanks, Rob you know, Stone, for covering that for us. 11,000 season ticket holders, I think if, if you look at what that translates to in terms of average attendance for a lot of the other teams, yeah. I, I think it's, it's 18 to 21 pretty comfortably for the year. And I think when you look at the fact that the new stadium is going to hold 19, 19, 916, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and the lower bowl of TCF holds just shy of 22. I think it's like 21 and change. I think we're probably going to be in a scenario where we're going to be averaging more people at TCF than the new stadium in Midway can hold. And that's exactly where we want to be. It's yes. not, it's maybe not going to look sexy on TV because you'll have 20,000 people or 21,000 people in a stadium that holds 55. Right. right. But let's not focus on that. The numbers are going to be strong, and they're only going to get stronger if this team actually starts to win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's a good point. If the team starts to win, people will come. If the twins start to lose, people will come. Yes. And it's a little weird to cheer against a team in a different sport. Right. But if you're looking at what's going to draw people on a summer's evening, mm-hmm. on a Saturday night, mm-hmm. are you going to go to... The baseball stadium that's been around for seven years mm-hmm. or are going to come to the new ticket in town. Right. And so if I'm Minnesota United, I'm following the Twins because I think those are the type of people you're going to be like, hey, you wanted to be outside. Right. You wanted to look for the atmosphere. You wanted to look for professional sports. You want to introduce your kids to a sport where you're not worried about them getting concussions every mm-hmm. single time they mm-hmm. play like football. Yeah. You bring them to baseball or you bring them to soccer. Yeah. yeah and, I, and I think the other part of it, too, is and we touched on this, I think, in in round one of the podcast and I don't know that we've circled back to it here but I think the goal of all of us as fans and I'm sure shared by the club one of the big points about moving from Blaine where I'm sure they could have built a soccer specific stadium MLS sized a lot easier than it is to to do it in absolutely in St. Paul the, the goal of moving into the city is to be able to be more accessible 
to a much broader audience. And I think that broader audience is, you know, a lot of them are people that, that aren't into the twins or aren't into the wild or the NFL and, mm-hmm. or the Timberwolves. And I think it's an opportunity to serve segments of our population that, that aren't really attracted to those other teams. And and I think that's, that's part of what's spurring some of the comments about the billboards and such before everybody kind of understood the breadth of that campaign. Yes. Yeah. You know, I think it's because we all, we all hope and want this team to really become successful as a team of everybody that lives in the twin Cities. So I, I can understand, although I joked about it on Twitter, I can understand some of the frustration when people thought it was just me and Katie on, on the billboard. <laughs> I like, thought it was every I, single billboard would be the two of you all, and a random just United us. player. But yeah. see, we, we knew that there was a broader <laughs> a broader campaign. So right, you know, and I understand that other people didn't didn't know that. But yeah, you know, if you can if you can really do meaningful outreach to people that live in the city of Minneapolis, in the city of St. Paul, of all kinds of different backgrounds, I think you're going to find a lot of people who aren't spending money at Twins games anyway. Who it actually doesn't matter how the twins are doing because now they've got something that they've cared about for a long time right in their backyard. Yeah. We just have to make sure that they know about it and or, feel, and feel welcome to come to it. Yes, and that each of them have had a German babysitter. That's right. Who's been mm-hmm. able critical name yeah. Heidi. to force them. Her name is Heidi. Critical. Heidi. Heidi. Her I was guessing is, Angela, but that's because Heidi. you know Merkel. So fair <laughs> enough. Um, <laughs> but I think real. that's we didn't make this up. Heidi yeah. the German babysitter. It's a real thing. Real. Heidi the German. Ba- that's yeah. stereotypical in right. every single way. I love it. Yeah. Um, the last question here comes from the Opulunes, who have never tweeted us before. Um, so I just want you guys to know that you are the prestigious guests, not Alexi right. Lawless, not Jamie Watson, <laughs> who have caused the Opulunes to come out of hiding. I don't know uh, we pull in the Opulunes crowd, that demographic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You do. I think that's, well, I mean, you got the DMs That's about what it. got me the hate mail in the first place. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so now we're full circle here. Your <laughs> praisers are here. And they're saying, which is your favorite supporters group and why is it the Opulence? <laughs> Do I have you to have say, a favorite? I, uh, my favorite supporters group? Sure. Um, I don't think so. You know, I uh, like I'm certainly a member of the Dark Clouds and I love I love the Dark Clouds. I also have a lot of friends in in T&E, too. Mm-hmm. A lot of friends and you know uh, who aren't in any supporters group. Red loons, wolves. Yeah, Mankato, yeah. I mean, name Midway the Wanderers. You know, right, Midway, Midway Wanderers, Wanderers, right? Yeah, we have to make a plug so, for that. So n- you know, name the place. I I don't I you know I it's not it's not really my my thing to you to know, put labels on people and to say one group is better than another. I think they I, all. I offer. think the Opaloons would have paid you off to say the Opaloons. <laughs> I know, but the check didn't arrive in time. It didn't so arrive I'm in time. No, it's still in the mail, right? Though. Believe I don't. I, I would say though, on a on a serious note, I don't I don't know that that question was asked 100 percent right. seriously. But I think to me, what's exciting, a big part of what's exciting about the move to to TCF and having a supporters end a supporters section where Mm -hmm. everybody can kind of congregate in its general admission is the possibility that there's going to be a lot of people that aren't necessarily affiliated with any group Mm -hmm. that they're just there to be a part of the supporters experience and i think you know there are there are certainly things that dark clouds do and that tne do that will help attract that but Mm -hmm. i'm i'm actually really excited to see where it goes from here yeah. yeah, and I, you know, the new stadium. There we go. I'm talking about the new stadium. Bing, 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 bing. We brought an architect total, on. Not a total loss. <laughs> and we got the stadium. <laughs> the new stadium supporters end is gonna hold three thousand people. I think 
right now, at best, Dark Clouds and T&E make up a thousand. That seems fair. Yeah. Somewhere in there. So. Yes, yeah. that seems fair from what I've heard. So we get a so lot there, of room. There's a lot of there's room. There's mm-hmm. a lot of space it's home. that's going to mm-hmm. need to be filled, and I'm excited to see who fills it. Yeah, yeah. And it's I think gonna be that's, fun. That's going to be part of it. It's 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 an experiment. Yeah. yeah. We talked about this with the midfield. We talked about mm-hmm. this with a lot of other things, but mm-hmm. that does go to the fan sections too. Yeah. It's an experiment. Yep. How are you going to build your supporter section, and whether you're coming from out state and you're coming to the Twin Cities. Mm-hmm. If you're coming from out of the country, out of the city, out of the state, and you're just like, oh, I love professional soccer. This is something I want to watch. Sure, I'll stand with the supporter section. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. By the sound of it, and this is the, definitely the vibe I've gotten from board members of TNE, board members of the Dark Clouds, everyone's welcome. Yes. And so I, I think that's something that's a good way to close this podcast. Minnesota United's got their home opener on Sunday. Definitely go to it. You're welcome to sit in section number whatever the supporter section is. It's on one of the end zones of the Gopher Football Stadium, <laughs> and there will be space for you, and uh, there will be professional soccer for you. And I think that's more than any of us in Minnesota have asked for in a long time. Absolutely. So, uh, Katie, where can the good people find you on Twitter? Uh, Katie underscore STP. Okay. And Adam, where can the people find you? M Northstar 82. Okay. We'll bring you guys back certainly for a third run of the same episode um, <laughs> or to talk stadium because for some reason we didn't talk stadium when you guys are here. Uh, you can find me as always at Jeff Reuter. You can find us on iTunes where please leave us a rating because apparently that does help things. Um, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, 55.1 as always where you can find my articles if Wes comes back from Texas ever after watching his mouth he's never he will coming. write something yeah he's never coming back he's never coming back no. no I understand I mean I'm pretty intimidated by the Atlanta Ultras as well <laughs> in fairness so uh, <laughs> uh, thank you for listening everyone uh, we'll be back next week to talk about oh here we go predictions Minnesota Atlanta 3-1 to the good guys okay Katie I'm gonna say 2-1 to the good guys 3-1 three, three to United <laughs> oh, to United. Okay. I think, <laughs> I think it, United's going to win. I think Minnesota United is going to win this 2-1. to one. I'm willing to go on record at that. Too. All right. And I think all, all right. of us are predicting Minnesota United winning this one here. So I'm ready for next week when Wes comes back and sh- wags his finger at me and says, what have you done with the podcast when Minnesota United ultimately loses like 5-1 again or something. <laughs> so uh, thank you, Adam and Katie, for coming on. We'll definitely have you back in the future. Uh, thank you for listening, listeners. And uh, yeah, have a good rest of your week and happy new year. MLS is back.